Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi everyone, welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Dr. John Neustadt, a researcher and renowned integrative medical expert. In 2005, he founded Montana Integrative Medicine in Bozeman, Montana, specializing in hard-to-treat chronic degenerative diseases through an integrative approach that emphasized identifying and treating the underlying causes of the disease. He is currently the founder and president of Nutritional Biochemistry, Inc., a dietary supplement company. Dr. Neustadt is passionate about research and education. He's published more than 100 research reviews and has written four books, including his most recent, Fracture Proof Your Bones, A Comprehensive Guide to Osteoporosis. Dr. Neustadt, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on the show. So before we dive into all the great information about osteoporosis and our specific questions, can you talk a little bit with us about what it means to be a naturopathic doctor? and how it differs from what most people are familiar with as the doctor of medicine, MD. Yeah, I would love to share that. It's a great question. And it's a profession that most people don't know a lot about. Uh, Naturopathic doctors, we are educated in the four-year post-baccalaureate medical schools, accredited medical schools, licensed, for example, I have a DEA number and an MPI number, and the reason why I chose to become a naturopathic doctor instead of a medical doctor is because it was the most scientifically rigorous integrative medicine training that I could find. I was very interested in nutritional medicine and botanical medicine and learning how to do lifestyle counseling and exercise prescriptions, working more than with just drugs and surgery and and it's wonderful because my medical doctor colleagues are phenomenal with that, and I love to refer when necessary and work in an integrative fashion with those folks. And I always I think it's great to have different backgrounds on people's medical team to get a the most comprehensive idea of the options that are that are available. And I prefer not to prescribe medications when I don't need to. Unfortunately, there are lots of things that we can do, as I discuss in my book, beyond just considering medications, especially when it comes to chronic diseases like osteoporosis. That's really, really interesting. And I know when you and I first met, we had this conversation because I think more patients, certainly, but also more within the medical community, are looking at that holistic approach to patients. And even on the, you know, the medicine side, we talk about, you know, treat to target, which is looking at people specifically based on their needs versus what a class of people might 
you know, use for a particular treatment. And I think that's the way of the future where we look at people a little bit more holistically and think about what else is going on within their, their bodies, within their environment that might be impacting their overall health and well-being. So I was joking with you that one of the first NDs that I had met, but then most recently I've been coming into contact with more and more who have reached out and talked about what they're doing in their practices. And as you said, the the way to sort of bridge between the medical doctor and the naturopathic doctor, I think is really interesting. So delighted to have you here and talking about that and helping to educate people about what those differences are. So let's talk a little bit about when we are specifically thinking about osteoporosis, and as we've said many times on this podcast before, a woman's risk of fracturing a bone due to osteoporosis is greater than her risk of heart attack, stroke, and breast cancer combined. And for men, it's a greater risk of, of having a fracture is a greater risk than having prostate cancer. Yet those are the things we hear about more often when we think about women's health and men's health. But in fact, osteoporosis is responsible for an estimated 2 million broken bones each year. So you, you know, referenced your book, and I know your new book is Fracture Proof Your Bones. You have a strong emphasis on prevention, and you really want to help patients build those strong bones to reduce their fracture risk. But let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to write the book. I love learning about people's backgrounds, too. How do they become motivated to, to do what they do? This book is really the culmination of about two decades of my work in integrative medicine and research and clinical work. And looking for solutions that, as you alluded to before, you know, really treat and identify the underlying causes and look at the whole person. When I was in clinical practice, or even before I got into clinical practice, I had two mentors. Uh, one was a medical doctor, one was a naturopathic doctor clinically, who had a, uh, some of the biggest, you know, largest impacts on me as a clinician uh, and you know, really the trajectory of what I've done professionally. And one of them said to me, Dr. Tom Dorman, I, I write about him in the introduction of the book because it's a great question. You know, why this? In fact, the introduction, the title of the introductory chapter is Bones. Really? How did I come to do this? That he said to me when he was charting one day, and I was a student interning in his clinic doing a rotation. So I'd sit quietly, very respectfully while, while he was he was charting at the end of the day. And he looked up at me out of the blue and said, I don't know where this came from or what, what prompted him to do it, but he looked at me and he said, it's always okay to say, I don't know, to tell a patient, I don't know. But it's, your, it's then your responsibility to go find out the answer and let them know. And then he looked down and he just kept charting. Unfortunately, he passed <laughs> he away. Um, wisdom. He knew. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away. So I, I never really got to follow up and, you know, as, as I was in practice and, and ask him, you know, kind of why. And, and the other one was one of the founders of my medical school, Bill Mitchell, William Bill Mitchell, another naturopathic doctor. And in a, an advanced therapeutics class that we were in, and we were talking about cases and clinical management. And he said something I think very, very wise. He said, if you listen, close enough, your patients are going to tell you what they need. So what happened was I got into clinical practice and I started seeing patients. And I started seeing, as you mentioned in the introduction, you know, chronic degenerative diseases, some of the toughest cases, people who had been to Mayo or University of Washington and still weren't getting better. And we're looking for an alternative way to approach what, what was going on. And then I had a patient with osteoporosis 
And then I had my mother-in-law fall and break her bone. And she was on Fosamax at the time. And, and she was protected because her bone density tests were going going up. And I kept seeing these cases and started digging more and more into the research. And the more I studied and the more I learned about the disease, the more I realized that the conventional approach was really missing the mark, focusing almost exclusively on bone density, on a laboratory marker, laboratory test value. But we're not numbers on a test. You know, we're, we're people. We're humans. And clinically, the most dangerous thing is not a number on the test. It is whether or not you break a bone. If you're 65 and you have osteoporosis and break a hip, there's up to about a 36% chance that you're going to be dead in a year. Deadly, deadly disease. And about 60% of those patients who survive never regain their full mobility and full level of activity after that. So the, the consequences are just devastating. And what I learned, though, is that a bone density test only predicts about 44% of women who will break a bone and only 21% of men. And in fact, the North American Menopause Society, you know, any organization or researcher that's really looked at, at the data has correctly concluded that fracture risk depends on factors largely other than bone density. And so then I kept going down this, you know, kind of this rabbit hole I call of research of seeing where things would, would lead. And, you know, 15, 20 years later, here I am lecturing at medical conferences and wrote the book about it and consult with patients and really helping them understand what they can do to protect their bones as, as best as they can and how they can have better conversations with their doctors about their doctor's recommendations, what questions to ask their doctors to make sure they're getting the best possible care. That is so important. And it really, I think, again, the way of medicine has become much more interactive between patients and clinicians. And we are certainly working to empower patients to advocate for themselves. You know, everyone has a different situation. Like you said, the other thing that I think is really important that we tell patients all the time is, you know your body best. You know, you know what's happening to you. You need to be able to impart that information in a way that's going to help your your healthcare provider work with you to to develop a plan that is really best for you, as you said. So a lot of people contact us, as you can imagine, on how to prevent osteoporosis. And while we know that not all bone disease is preventable, there is a lot that we can do to improve bone health at every stage of life. And we're really working on that, you know, with our name change about the fact that bone health matters across the lifespan from, you know, birth through our, our senior years. But can you talk a little bit about how you guide readers in your book through the process of creating a bone health action plan? I really love that part about what can you do and how do you prepare for that? And is that the process that you used in your clinical practice too? So what I do in my book is, I, is as I mentioned just a few seconds ago, is, is I help people understand what, what questions to ask to help them make sure they're, they're on the right track, they're getting the right information, making better decisions for their own, their own health. And then I guide them through how to create a holistic plan for themselves. And it is how I work with patients and how I have worked with patients in, in helping them to improve their bone health and take the steps that are attainable to for them. And that's, I think, a big, that's an important piece is meeting people where they're at. There are lots of 
uh, I'll call domains in which people can work to improve their bone health. That's one of the beautiful things. There's something accessible to everybody for preventing osteoporosis or preventing fractures, improving their bone health. So if it's looking at just uh, environmental modifications and putting handrails in your in your bathroom, that can be important. If that's what and fixing loose steps, that's great. Looking at the foundations, what I call the four pillars of health: of you know diet, lifestyle, sleep, and and I call connection as well. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. And you know, with diet, the research is clear: the closer people follow that plant forward diet, a Mediterranean type of diet, uh, the better their outcomes, a reduction in, associated with a reduced uh, hip fracture risk of about uh, you know, 20-22%, which is incredible because we all have to eat. So we might as well be eating to feed our health and to feed the disease. Mm-hmm. You and I have uh, went back and forth a little bit about you know the concept of people are overfed and malnourished, meaning we're right. eating a a very high caloric diet, a lot of processed foods that are high in macronutrients, the fats, carbohydrates, and low in the vitamins and the minerals and the micronutrients that our bodies need, our biochemistry needs to flourish. And in fact, my company, my dietary supplement company, Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated, NBI, it was named because of my love for nutritional or medical biochemistry. How does the body need? What can we give the body in order for it to work as best as as it can? And one of those things that the body likes to do is to grow healthy bone. Our bones are constantly remodeling. There's there's, uh, old bones being broken down by a, a type of cell called osteoclast, and new bone is being built up by a type of bone called osteoblast. And that that healthy, natural remodeling process is important to have healthy, strong bones throughout our life. So are there things that we can do to help promote that? And nutritionally, diet is one of the fundamental things that everybody can do. And most people aren't eating that way. So I help people understand in my book, you know, the three steps that I've used with thousands of, of patients of how to transition to eating that way for life. It's not a diet where right. you're, you know, you're going on this crash diet. It's how can you transition into eating to promote your health for the rest of your life? And one of the things also to make sure that people are getting is enough protein, adequate protein. The general protein requirements are not adequate as we age for maintaining strong bones and, and, and healthy bones. So helping people calculate, you know, how many grams of protein should they be getting a day and giving, you know, there's handouts in the book and the appendix and there's a workbook on my website that people can download to track that while they are developing an intuitive sense of what it's like to eat that way. Nobody wants to be looking at handouts for the rest of their life, but most people, you know, we're all on autopilot during our day. We eat intuitively, grab from the kitchen, grab from the from the cupboard. So my book, in terms of just that diet chapter, helps people understand how they can create newer, healthier habits that are going to protect them and going to help them maintain their bone health throughout their life. And it's not easy. I mean, like I said, there's so many things that go into that. And as we try to adjust to what we know is healthier, you know, doing it the right way and having that guidance is so important. And I share this because I switched to a plant-based diet 
back in March and I've gained 10 pounds and I'm laughing. I'm like, I'm probably the only person who goes vegetarian and gains 10 pounds, but it's because I overcompensated with carbs, but that was my natural inclination to mm-hmm. then go carb heavy. And so you have to recognize, I mean, obviously the scale helped me recognize that. Wait, wait, there's something going on here. And then, as you said, when I started tracking how I was eating and what I was eating, it was clear that I just shifted to more carbs, which is my detrimental. And so realizing that and saying, okay, wait, I'm going for healthier. It's good that I'm doing plant-based, but I need to focus on the plant part and not the carb part. And so, you know, making that adjustment was good, but those are the kinds of things that people need to be aware of that you need some help and guidance on. If you're going to make these adjustments to your diet, make sure you're making them in the right way. So you're going to get the maximum health benefit from it. And you know, to celebrate that that you're, that you're making that, that effort. And also the only time anybody can fail is when they stop trying. So I I can tell you, it's taken me years and years to get to, you know, where I'm at now. And I'm still adjusting as I get older and and my body needs or my activity levels change, you know. And so the only way that anybody could lose is when they stop trying. You're right. And again, with just having that ultimate goal of trying to be healthier, you know, overall, just thinking about not just our immediate needs, but who do we want to be as older adults? What do we want to be able to do and start crafting that plan, you know, now to get us where we, or to keep us where we want to be as we age. And that's another one of our former board members, Heidi Skolnick, who I recently interviewed, um, who also has a book out, was talking about that, that she really tries to motivate herself by saying, I know, not just for the person I am now, but for the person I want to be 10 years from now, what do I, I need that. to be doing to do that? And so it's really great to have these resources like your book and the, your website that helps people plan for that, you know, gets that information that they need. And I think it's also important. And then I'd love to talk a little bit more, not just about osteoporosis, but the other chronic diseases that you, that you've addressed with your patients when you get that diagnosis, it's really scary for people and it's really upsetting. And then, you know, what do I do? I think it's really important that we as patients have some sense of control a little bit, you know, and those elements that we can control, as you said, are diet and exercise. And do you find that for other chronic diseases too, where there's this, the real need, like, what can I do like you said, medicine if medicine is needed, but what can I do specifically to improve my situation? So what's interesting is is when you're looking at the fundamental sort of aspects of, of health, that diet, lifestyle, exercise, sleep, connectivity, when you're when I talk about in my book and I cite research in every chapter, you know, supporting those recommendations as they relate specifically to osteoporosis and, and, and bone health. But the dietary recommendations, for example, also have been shown to reduce the risk for heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or deaths from cancer, all-cause mortality. I touch on that in the book as well a little bit. The exercise piece of it, moving our bodies, as people know, is, is great for also for blood sugar regulation and for mood and stress and for reducing the risk for falling and fractures and other fall-related injuries and reducing the risk for heart disease. In fact, it doesn't even have to be overwhelmingly an overwhelmingly huge goal. Studies have come out, uh, people have often heard of it, you know, got to walk 10,000 steps a day, but that 
assumption and it was an assumption. I don't know where that urban myth came from. It was finally tested in several studies. And what the researchers, all of them found is that, no, that's not actually true. You can get up to 30% reduction in all cause mortality. It means death from any cause, including osteoporosis, just by walking an average of 7,000 to 7,500 steps a day. So it's about 30% less. So yeah. just getting out and walking, it doesn't have to be even going into a gym. And with osteoporosis, you do need to be careful because if you have already the disease that you're doing it safely, you're, you're, you're exercising safely. So I talk about that in the book, you know, what to, how to exercise safely and how to find somebody to make sure that they're, they're trained appropriately so to help you get on a program that's, that's safe for you. And then in terms of sleep and stress reduction, you know, there's associations with not getting enough sleep and bone loss and osteoporosis and similarly not getting enough sleep increases the risk for you know heart attacks and diabetes and you know everything that i just mentioned and then connectivity making sure that you're doing something in your life you're connecting with other people you have a social network maybe volunteering because that's also been associated with decrease in all-cause mortality and then on the nutritional piece that i think is important is looking at targeted nutrients, dietary supplements. And I own a dietary supplement company and I'll be the, but everybody will tell you, I'm the first one to say it's diet and lifestyle first. Yeah. Diet, the name dietary supplements is defined by the FDA is correct. It should be a supplement to a healthy diet. And when it comes to osteoporosis, there are lots of formulas out there. And everybody's heard of calcium and vitamin D and their formulas with lots of other nutrients in it. But the number one fundamental question that I go through in my book, chapter after chapter, when it, whether it's looking at whether medication is helpful for you or diet or dietary supplements, has whatever has been recommended for your bone health been shown in clinical trials to maintain strong bones, not as indicated only by a bone density test, because I already mentioned the limits of those tests but hasn't been shown to maintain strong bones as indicated by reducing fractures in clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And there are only four nutrients actually that have been shown to do that. I couldn't find in my, in my clinical practice at the time products that actually that had the dose in the form of nutrients to help the patients. So that's why I created my company so I can create mm -hmm. the solutions for my patients. And it's just kind of grown from there. But that's what you said. It's really important that, that people think about that when they're looking into any kind of change that they're going to make. One, make sure you're discussing it with a healthcare provider. And then Absolutely. two, make sure that you are aware of those research that, you know, like you said, there's, there's lots of claims that are made in nutrition these days. And, and you said it's really hard for everyday people to sort of figure out, oh, all the research behind it. So it's really important to talk with someone like you or someone else that is a healthcare provider who can sort of guide people based on their own, their own needs. And we're all a little bit different, you know, and how we manage our condition is going to be a little different. But I think yeah. it's really important. That's why I'm so delighted to have you here with us because we want to make sure that everybody has the information and the resources that will work for them you know, how to get that information, who to talk with, you know, how to approach their condition in a way that's right for them. And I say this too, when we, we have an online community, as many of our listeners know, we have over 74,000 people on that online community. And when I direct people there, I say it's a fantastic source, you know, of peer-to-peer -peer support and 
take everything with a grain of salt because how you approach your diagnosis with osteoporosis might differ from what you see on the online community. So know yourself and then go go looking for that. And I think that's the same when we look for healthcare providers, you know, find someone who who works with you and that you feel comfortable with who's able to give you really good advice and lead you down the path that you want to take, you know? Well, exactly. And and there are different reasons why people get osteoporosis. Most osteoporosis is, you know, postmenopausal osteoporosis. But there are other reasons too. It could be an autoimmune disease. It could be a medication that somebody's taking for a different disorder that actually damages their bones and causes osteoporosis. So those details and discussing and making sure you're working with a professional who can understand the details of your case. And, you know, maybe specific nutrients as dietary supplements are not indicated for you for, for one reason or, or another. And making sure you're working with a, a healthcare provider who's an expert in nutritional medicine and also one who's an expert in the medications because not all osteoporosis medications are appropriate or indicated for all types of osteoporosis or all situations. Right. Not all osteoporosis medications, if, you've never, if you have osteoporosis but you've never broken a bone before, not all osteoporosis medications prevent you from having that first fracture. Mm. But many more of them, if you've already had one, are much better preventing a, a future second or third fracture. So those details are super important. And I go over that in the book of how to talk to your doctor about that. That is exactly. It's so important that people know that there are you know different choices and options and it really matters. And the other thing that people don't understand is that the medications themselves work better when you're nutritionally balanced. You need to have that nutritional balance for yeah. the medications to be optimal. So it really is integrative, whether people think of it that way or not, but it really is because you need that optimal nutrition and the good exercise in order for the actual medical treatments to do their best for you. So I think, again, having this conversation is so important. And I could go on and on with you, but we do have to wrap up. So we've covered a lot, but is there anything, anything that we haven't covered that you, you want to make sure listeners know? I think in this amount of time, we've covered a, a, a wonderful sort of breadth of information, the details and everything, as, I, as I've alluded to in, you know, in my book, you know, chapter by chapter, I walk people through of how to create that holistic plan and how to talk to their doctors and how to understand the disease more holistically and what the current science is saying about what we all can do as individuals to protect our bones and to protect us from breaking bones beyond simply just looking at a bone density test. That's so important. Yeah, I really love this. So thank you so much for joining me today. We really appreciate your expertise and your advice on helping our listeners learn about how to create that bone health action plan. And we encourage people to do that at every age to, again, eventually prevent those fractures that we want to make sure people don't get. We'll have Dr. Neustadt's book as well as uh, other resources from BHOF and materials associated with this episode at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do two things. Subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And please share this with all your family and friends. Thank you again, Dr. Neustadt, for joining me. And I hope to see you or hear from you all on our next episode. 
Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.